it is all about, we are ingrained into this calorie preservation, into this survival mechanism, which does not service in today's society, which says, seek out pleasure now. What these super high achievers have done is they have hacked that, that biological system and they have gone, no, I'm going to seek out the short-term pain now. And the way I'm going to do that is keep me focused on that is by saying like, screw you guy that wrote this about me in the Washington post. I'll prove you wrong when the guy didn't actually write that Michael Jordan's example. It is, um, you know, Matt Fraser going me against the world. You don't think I can do this. And Matt Fraser, like put himself as the underdog. Like no one thinks Matt Fraser is an underdog except Matt (laughs) Fraser. We are here because we know the outcomes in our lives are within our control. That taking absolute ownership of how we eat, sleep, train, think, and connect with each other is how we'll optimize our health and happiness. That chasing excellence is how we grab hold of what is possible. Our mission is to live on the run. Always chasing. Never stop. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Chasing Excellence. How are you, Ben? Doing really well. Thank you, Patrick. Good. How are you doing? I'm doing good. I'm doing well. We're uh, getting ready for winter up here, <laughs> so we're doing all right. Where's up? Here? I don't think anybody knows where you are. Where's up, I, I live where's in up southern here? Maine. I live on the Maine coast, right over the New Hampshire border. Um, I heard a fact about Maine, in a I think Maine is the only state that borders only one one other state. I don't know if that's true, but I, I mean, I don't know if that it's true that it's the only state, but I believe, yes, it is. That is the case. Yes. I think, I think it, I think that is the, I think that's true. Yeah. No other it, state borders only one state, Hawaii and Alaska border zero. Yep. And every other state borders at least one more. It's a, one fun fact. Um, two, it's actually really funny how little I know about the state that we live in. Cause we moved here and you know this, we moved here three years ago, quite literally the week that we had our first kid. And, and then we had another one seven months ago. So it feels like we've just like had our head down and then someday we're going to look up and actually explore the state, but it hasn't yeah. really happened yet. Maine's got beautiful parts yes, for sure. Yep. Yes. I'm a man. Today we're going to talk about something completely different. We are going to, I, I recently, we've talked about it before, we've mentioned it before, but I recently, relatively recently, finally watched the Netflix documentary series on Michael Jordan, The it's Last so Dance. Good. Yeah. It's so good. And so I had a thought while watching it, and it's a thought that I've had before, and actually the first time I really thought about it, um, not really the first time, but one of the other times I've thought about it with you in mind was... The other Netflix show, I'm going to blank on the name, but the Seven Days Out of, of the Restaurant. Oh, do you remember, yeah. Do you remember what that yeah. one was called? I don't remember what that was called, but it was... Uh, it's, it's, it's the, the show is called Seven Days Out in yeah. Madison 11 Park. Madison, I think okay, it's the restaurant. And so there's, there was a similarity something there. Something like that. Yeah, something like that. There, and then certainly it was, it was really prevalent in the Jordan documentary that I wanted to get your thoughts on, which is there are these people, these really high-level achievers who Jordan being one of them, the owners of that restaurant being another, who seem to derive quite a bit of the fire in their belly from a desire to prove other people wrong or to be better than other people or to prove to other people how good they actually are, right? And Jordan's was just like so prevalent, right? He would just kind of invent 
arguments. He would invent mm. enemies so that he would able he he was able to find that next level, so that he could go out of the court and absolutely dominate. And you know, I, I think about I think people like Kobe uh, Bryant had that, and in our sport, you know, I think uh, Matt Fraser certainly has that. I think T has developed it over the years. Um, and so I really just mostly wanted to present it to you as somebody who I know works with thinks about high achievers. And, and and figuring out how to unlock that you know that one or two percent at the top to to transform somebody from kind of middle of the pack to to you know a, 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 um, a front runner is that kind of killer instinct and that's my term for, certainly so if it's not the right term you know let me know how you think about it but is that necessary to get to the levels that those you know those athletes certainly that I just mentioned have been able to get to. Cool topic. Um, necessary? No. But can it be a additive? Mm. Absolutely. For sure. So I say necessary, no, because the greatest golfer of all time was so the opposite of this, Jack Nicklaus. Mm. He, he was docile, family man, um, very centered, um, was not um, – uh, I don't want to say – so your term killer is so I think that there's you're you're kind of edging on two different things maybe okay one is ultimate competitiveness mm-hmm. and another one might be so far as like saying like harnessing the dark side mm, yep okay so ultimate competitiveness I do believe is a necessary ingredient for greatness I um, and it's it's funny because competitiveness has a negative connotation in today's society. You know, if you're a competitive, it's like you're, you're focusing on the wrong things and mm-hmm. it's uh, wins and losses and um, your loss is my win. I don't see it that way whatsoever. I see competitiveness as a natural part of our evolution, mm-hmm. not in terms of like scarce resources, because it's not that in terms of us becoming the best versions of ourselves, in terms of literally the evolution of the next generation being better. Because to me, at the opposite end of ultra competitiveness, the opposite spectrum of that is complacency. Mm-hmm. And complacency is, it's not worth it, whatever. It's, um, Ultimate competitiveness is striving for greatness. Mm-hmm. That's what we need. And that's what the people you just mentioned all have in common, whether it's Matt or the best restaurant in the world or it's uh, Michael Jordan. And yes, Michael Jordan did certain things like manufacture beefs and corals that didn't exist to drive his competitiveness. He understood the power of what that is. And what that can, the form that can take, so that's what he did, Yep. Um, I think can be varied. But the essence of what that, is, what that, the essence of what um, makes that special is it will bring you places you, you wouldn't want to otherwise go. Everyone has limited amounts of willpower. Commitment is super hard. And what these super high achievers do, whether it's the winner of the CrossFit Games or it's a six-time NBA champ or it's Michael Phelps or it's um, Jeff Bezos, what they do is they endure extreme amounts 
of short-term discomfort for long-term gains. And what they need to do is pull and tell themselves the right story in order to be able to withstand that discomfort. Mm -hmm. We as human beings are pleasure-seeking animals. We do everything in our power to find pleasure and push off pain. It's just what everything that we do, it has to do with that. Whether it's social media, whether it's eating a cupcake, whether it's um, sleeping in um, under the warm covers and, and hitting the snooze button. It is all about, we are ingrained into this calorie preservation, into this survival mechanism, which does not service in today's society, yep. which says, seek out pleasure now. What these super high achievers have done is they have hacked that, that biological system. And they have gone, no, I'm going to seek out the short-term pain now. And the way I'm going to do that is keep me focused on that is by saying like, screw you, guy that wrote this about me in the Washington Post. I'll prove you wrong when the guy didn't actually write that. Michael Jordan's example. It is – um, you know, Matt Fraser going me against the world. You don't think I can do this. And Matt Fraser, like put himself as the underdog. Like no yeah. one thinks Matt Fraser is an underdog except Matt <laughs> Fraser. <laughs> yeah. It's the New England Patriots. The New England Patriots, when they were on their run, yeah, it was all about, if you listen to their pregame speeches, it was about how no one's giving us a shot. No one's giving us a chance. So what they're doing is they're telling themselves the story to keep their focus on that moment. And that moment is uncomfortable. And if you don't create that story, if you don't have that, and whether it's manufactured or real, doesn't matter. If you don't have that, you're going to lose it because we're going to fall back to our biology, which is sleep in. It's Saturday. Today doesn't matter. It's not that important. You go, no, it is important because that guy said that thing. And mm-hmm. I'm going to prove that guy wrong. The other aspect of it is – so the other part of that is – um, it can eat you alive. If you don't harness it the right way, it will mm-hmm. destroy you. It will eat you up and you will have no shot at greatness whatsoever. So you have to know how to channel it the right way. It has to be put towards productive effort because otherwise it just creates anxiety and stress and you look at all these things that you can't control whatsoever. So you have to learn how to harness it the right way, which is what these guys have all done. They are now going like, I will prove this because of, I will do X because of Y, and this is how I'm going to do it. But again, it's that dark side that if you, if it takes over your life, um, you could become true, like the mad scientist. You could be the one that, um, um, the beautiful mind that can't, um, can't put it towards productive efforts. But if you're able to harness it, that's. Um, let me put this another way in terms of the hierarchy of mindset. This is what I, I came up with this a little while ago. Maybe this will create some color to this. And I'll just talk about the importance of competitiveness, the hierarchy of mindset, the lowest mindset would be the victim mindset, mm-hmm. which is woe is me. Obstacles are being put in my place on purpose. Like the government is out to get me. My boss hates me. Um, my spouse, um, dot, dot, dot. You get it. Like you're actually like you're the victim and everyone else is out to get you. The next level above that is the pessimist. And the pessimist is this sucks. This is terrible. But it's not like it's not having on purpose. There's like but everything is an obstacle. Mm-hmm. The one above that is the optimist, which doesn't see obstacles. They see opportunities. 
they say like, yeah, like I got laid off, but man, now it gives me a chance to write that screenplay. Yep. The level above that is the realist. And the realist realizes that there is no such thing as good or bad, but thinking makes it so. And it is Einstein's greatest question, which we shall be asking ourselves, do you live in a friendly or hostile world? Um, and realizing that the world is neither, it's just the world is what it is, and sometimes hostile and sometimes friendly, and you have to accept the ups and the downs. And when you do that, man, like reality presents itself fairly well. It'd be really cool if we could all aspire to be the extreme realist, I think as Ray Dalio puts it. Mm -hmm. I believe there's a level above that, which I call the curious competitor, hmm. which they actually seek out hardship because they understand that on the other side of it, they become something greater. And these guys are the ones that manufacture these stories because they know it drives them through those things. Mm -hmm. They're the ones that are telling these stories and the stories they're telling themselves are, I want that challenge. It's John McEnroe as the number two tennis player in the world, not wanting Bjorn Bjorg to retire. Mm -hmm. Bjorn Bjorg was number one because he knew he couldn't be his best self without that peer to push him. Now, if you do this the wrong way, those peers that push you turn into rivals mm. and rivals are not good. Rival will push you down because everything becomes a measuring stick. Pass, fail, pass, fail. Am I better than them? Am I worse than them? Am I better than them? They're worse than them. Whereas a peer that pushes you is like, come on, man, make me better. Just, mm. I want you to be your best so I can be my best. Yeah. There's a, there's, um, there's a lot of really cool examples in uh, sports that um, Rafael Nadal playing um, – was it Pete Sampras? Oh, God. I can't remember. Um, but the same type of thing where it's all about um, I, I don't care whether I win or lose. I just hope that I get the best out of this game. I hope this game makes me a better person. Now, you bring that to everyday life. It's not just about these athletic challenges. It's um, your boss throwing a project on you at the last minute. The curious, the realist goes, the, you walk through those levels, right? The, the, the victim goes like, F you, like, God damn, I got to quit this job. Like I, that boss hates me. He always picks on me. The pessimist goes like, here we go again. Another Friday where I have to stay in. I have to do more work. Mm. The optimist goes like, um, cool. Like, um, this is an opportunity to show my boss how hard I can work. The realist goes like, Yep. This is like, this is what happens. I understand. This is not like, I don't need to put rose colored glass on this. The glass is not half full. It's not half empty. It's just there. So I'm going to figure out if I should drink it or somebody else should drink it or how can I make it fuller? Mm -hmm. What the curious competitor does is a curious competitor goes like, yeah, cool. Okay. Got it. Like this is a challenge. This is going to make me better. I had these other plans. I'm going to be able to, um, um, work through this, even though I know I don't want to, because it's my character that I'm building, not this project. It's not the pass fail. Do I do the project well or not? Did I get accomplished on time or not? Did I do it better than the other person in my department who we also tasked it with? It is, am I going to be coming out of this as a, as with a better character than I went into it? Mm. And that's what these guys, these high achievers are doing is they're creating these scenarios that allow them to walk through those challenges focused on becoming better on the other side. Mm -hmm. Where does the, 
I think in your description of the curious competitor, which I love, it, it feels like you answered this a little bit. But there's a in in all the examples I gave and some of the ones that you gave, there's kind of an external motivator, an external um, individual or idea that they're yeah. trying to fight against. When you as you were laying out the the curious competitor, actually, I think. Y- you talk a lot about the internal, the intrinsic motivation within that. But how do you square those two things when almost every example that I can think of from that Jordan documentary it was that guy did that, said that thing or did that thing. And now it's my, now I'm going to, I'm going to do what I do so to, to shut him up or to sit him down. Where does yeah. that, like, how do you square those two things? How do you do what you're talking about without necessarily needing to look out into the world and say, who's wronged me that I can, that I can use as motivation, as inspiration to then go and become that curious competitor to go in and say, where is this challenge that I can accept? It's the 80, 20. So 80% of Michael Jordan is not out there to prove a sports writer wrong. Mm-hmm. 80% of him is not out there to prove the, the, the high school basketball coach that cut him, that he was wrong. It is the 80% is I want to see how good I can become. It's internal. Mm. It's intrinsic. That's the 80%. If he never made up one of those stories, he'd still be one of the best basketball players ever. He still might be the best basketball player ever. But there is that 20% that if you know how to tap into it correctly, gives you that extra edge. Mm. So I'll use myself as an example, and then I'll, I'll, I'll lay into some science behind it. But um, when I opened up my business, CrossFit New England, I really wanted to have the best CrossFit gym in the world. Like I, mm. for me, like I want to see if I could do that. And it was a measuring stick for myself every single day. I wanted to be so proud of what I was creating. It was this massive intrinsic thing. But there was this little thing that when I told my father-in-law what I was doing, he looked at me like, you're crazy. Mm. And just that little thing, I wanted to prove him wrong. And that wasn't the biggest thing. That wasn't the number one thing for me, but it was um, when it got really hard, days got really hard, there was that light at the end of the tunnel that I could still see some light. And I was like, I want to chase that. I still, that, the darkness side of that, the proving someone wrong, the thing that's outside my control helped. Mm. Now it wasn't the thing, but it helped. The science behind this is people with a positive mindset perform better than people with a negative mindset. That's why mm-hmm. the optimist is above the pessimist instead of the hierarchy of mindset. But If you get aggressive, if you swear, if you yell, if you attack, you can accomplish more. Mm. And the science behind this is if you put your hand in a bucket of ice, at a certain level, you have to take it out because it's too painful. If just before you take it out, you start screaming expletives, F this mother, you start doing that, yeah. you can keep your hand in longer. There's the extra 20% on top of your normal pain threshold. Now, if you get in there and put in there and you just start screaming expletives, you just say, mother, you're not going to last very long at all. Yeah. 
because that's the negative. What it is, this has to be Michael Jordan's manufacturing the stories on top of everything else is just that. It's on top of already the incredible competitor that he, which he was. Mm-hmm. He didn't start off that way. That's how it eats you alive. Mm. If you start off with, I'm going to prove that guy wrong. I'm gonna, if you try to go to the Navy SEALs because you want to prove to your dad that you're a real man, you are not going to make it. Mm-hmm. And they ask people that. You have to go there to see what you're made of for you. Now, if there's this little thing on top of that, which is, I also want to show my dad how much of a man I can be, you know, that might help. Yeah. Yeah. And then in the moments where you're close to whatever, quitting or letting up, that can be the, that can yes. be that one last trigger. That, that can be the swear thing. that gets you, yes. that keeps your hands in there. Absolutely. So but how it can't do you, be the thing. Yep. So how do you, Again, thinking about your position and your, uh, uh, you know, and, and what you've chosen to do with quite a bit of your time in helping athletes like Catherine find that one or two percent. How do you start to introduce that idea, or do you at all as a coach, so that somebody can begin to create that whatever that twenty percent might look like, whatever that trigger might look like? Do you talk about that? Do you let that happen naturally? Do you just find that the athletes who you're working with have that already? Or where does where does that come in? Can it can it be developed? It depends on who they are, what where are they coming um to the platform with. Yep. Um so when I worked with Matt Fraser, I did not do that. I try to get Matt to ignore the things that he couldn't control. I want to get away from me against the world. I wanted to get into his intrinsic. Um, but when I work with Katrin and Cole, yeah, I, t- I talk about this hierarchy of mindset. I talk about the curious competitor. I talk about tapping into the dark side. I talk about, um, beating, like winning, like mm-hmm. destroying other people. Um, it, there, that has to be a part of that. Now again, it can't be the majority. And with Catherine and Cole, it's easy not to be the majority because they're these amazing, yeah. amazing human beings. So when there's a thread and I see it a little bit, I'll pull on that a little bit. Mm-hmm. And that's why I've nicknamed Cole the velvet sledgehammer. Mm, yep. So he is smooth. He is nice. He is soft. He is nice, fun to be around velvet, but there's that 20%. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. There's that 20%, which let's like, you got to be willing to pound someone into the ground Mm -hmm. and you got to be able to, when it comes, you know, Anson Dorrance, the, the coach of, um, North Carolina women's soccer, Mm -hmm. who's won 21 national championships. The way he says it is, I love a 50-50 ball. What that means is soccer. There's a ball out in the field. You're both yep. 10 yards away from it. Who gets to it first? Yep. He goes, I love a 50-50 ball because I know when our kneecaps crash into each other and we're both spitting out teeth and we're peeling ourselves off the, off the ground with bloody noses, my pain tolerance is higher than theirs. Mm-hmm. So there has to be this level of like – grittiness, like animalistic. If it's all just kind of like, if it's all like, um, sunshine and rainbows, um, you can get really far. You can get really, really, really far. But to me, that competitive thing, and it doesn't have to be mean and against other people. When Katrin won the games two years, she had that. 
Mm. Her, her grandmother, who was essentially raised her, was her mother. It was her best friend in the world. She talked to her every single day for hours. Um, she passed away leading up to the first year that she won um, the games. And she had that something. Mm. That 20% was there. Now, because someone's grandmother dies doesn't mean that they're going to win the CrossFit games. The 80% has to come intrinsically. But she got that 20% mm. from that life experience mm -hmm. um maybe a two-part question one we've talked a lot about athletics and competitiveness and and sport can this idea be translated usefully into other aspects of life and the obvious one might be starting a business running a business there i think there's kind of a i can see a i can see a, a commonality there but what about things just uh, becoming a better parent or becoming a better friend, you know, other aspects of life that maybe don't have that. Uh, I can point to you and I can say, I'm going to do this because you said I couldn't. Is there still value in thinking like a curious competitor in areas of life that aren't necessarily or naturally a competitive environment? Absolutely. 100%. Yes. So because if it works in sports, it works in business, it's going to work in life. It's just, mm -hmm. these are all different shades of the same, thing. Yep. Uh, and again, what we're really talking about here is forget about like the dark side, forget about proving somebody wrong. What we're doing is storytelling. Mm. That's it. We are storytelling to ourselves and we're saying this matters because dot, dot, dot. This matters. Me sitting here and shooting these extra 50 free throws matters because dot, dot, dot. Me sitting here and walking through this very difficult conversation with my wife where I want to just storm out of the room and be like, For, this, is, this is ridiculous, you're acting insane, like I don't get it. Um, me sitting here, this matters because dot, dot, dot. It's just storytelling. Mm. I am the type of, what we're saying is, this is the number one thing that we can all do is lean into our identity. And it's, in the beginning, you might have to like fake it a little bit if you're not the you don't have the identity you want. If you're, um, if you're overweight and you're, um, unathletic and you've, um, never, um, been, been into exercise and you keep telling yourself that like, you're gonna have a really hard time changing your lifestyle until you say, I'm the type of person that and you fill in the blank goes to the gym five days a week. I'm the type of person that doesn't miss workouts. I'm the type of person that regardless of what's going on, I X, Y, and Z. I'm the type of person that does not snooze. I get up and hit. Once you do that, we are so interested as human beings as living out our own self-fulfilling prophecies. We want that confirmation. We want to live into the actions, beliefs, and behaviors of what we think we are. We want that to happen. If we have something else, so back to athletics, we're training these athletes. If they, if I'm training someone for the games and they are afraid of um, hard work and they're like, I'm just not the type of person that likes to work hard. Like how mm -hmm. far are we going to get? Mm -hmm. Now you have somebody that goes like, no matter what you give me, I will not quit. No matter what. I'm the type of person that will not quit no matter what. Like, okay. Like, yeah. Like for, that's gotta be the 80%. It doesn't matter 
that I will not quit no matter what, whether it's athletics, it's relationships, it's business or anything else in between. Last question for if, if somebody's listening and they're thinking, okay, that, that sounds right, but I don't have that, <laughs> right? Whatever that thing is, right? Maybe go back to that idea of the 20%. Like I don't have that. I feel like I've got the 80%. I don't have that 20%. Yeah. <laughs> what do you think? Oh, wait, wait. So they have the 80%, but they don't have the 20%. Yeah. Like they don't have that, like that last thing that's, that's pushing them okay. towards yep. I got you. whatever that yeah. next level is. What do you think? And it's, it's a, impossible to know, you know, specifically, but generally, what would you think? Like, what is, what is standing in their way? What is, why don't they have that thing? Is it, does it go back to that story idea or is it, um, is it that they don't think they need it? Is it that, uh, nobody ever teaches us how to harness this little thing, this little fire in our belly that we can use constructively? Like, what are we missing if we don't have that? I, I, I think it might be potentially one of two things. I think we're afraid of it as a society. Mm. I think that we see it as um, not, we see main, Michael Jordan manufacturing these st- stories in his head and we go, that's not right. Mm. I think we see, um, you know, it's not in line with our normal value system which is we're supposed to be um, what we learned in kindergarten, right? Mm-hmm. And you don't learn that in kindergarten. Yep. So I think it's the first thing is that it's not accepted. And the next is that people haven't seen the power of it. Mm. So if it was taught to you, you now have listened to this podcast and it's a thing. Here's the, it's dangerous though, because it's gotta be the 20%. Yeah. What people are going to do is they're going to go, I'm afraid what people are going to do is they're going to be, they're not going to have the 80%, the intrinsic thing, which is that story of, I will not quit no matter what, like, and they're going to go like, okay, harness the dark side. And they're going to harness, they're going to make up these stories about like, it's going to eat them alive. So it's, to me, it's, I wouldn't even pursue it until that 80% is rock solid. Mm -hmm. When that 80% is rock solid, and you know who you are as a human being, you know your values, you know the principles of which are guiding your life. Decisions are easy for you because there is no more decisions when you have values and principles in place. Um, and you are, your actions are in alignment with your that which move you towards your goals. When your life is kind of set up that way, so take Catherine and Cole, they're great examples for that. Catherine and Cole, through all the years of them pounding on their craft. And then the five, six, seven years they've been working with me. And we do all these exercises of who are you as a person? What is your belief system? And they, they know all that stuff. Now it makes sense to tap into the extra little bit, Mm -hmm. but I cautious people to jump to that. Mm. It's kind of like learning to do muscle ups before you can do a pull up. Mm -hmm. Like it's just kind of dangerous. It's like learning how to, um, drive a tank before you can drive a car. It's like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It just doesn't make sense. It's too dangerous. Yep. All right. I feel like that's a downer note to, to leave it on. Um, how do you know, <laughs> how do you know if you're ready for it? Is there a, is there a, a, a way that you could say, okay, because of this, you're ready to, to tap into that dark side? Yeah. Are, are your, um, are your actions in line with the, who you believe you are and who you want to be? 
So there's these, all these different things. There's the higher you and the lower you, right? The higher you says, I have salads. I don't eat cookies. The higher you says, I get um, nine hours of sleep. I don't snooze. And I run three miles every morning. It's what, it's what you, you know, it's the, I do journaling and I Mm -hmm. um, have great relationships and I'm patient and I'm um, growth minded and all those things. So how close are your thoughts actions and behaviors with your higher self because mm. there's the lower self there's a the lower self which snoozes sleeps in doesn't go to the gym eats the crappy food isn't patient has a fixed mindset and if you're traveling down that path we're not ready for the dark side <laughs> I mean, that's just like yep. i mean it's we're we're just dumping more um you know we're bringing now it's starting to hail instead of rain Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. you know, you're ready. I'm going to try to end this on a positive note. Yes. <laughs> you know, you're ready when your actions, decisions, behaviors, um, goals, uh, value system, life is set up in accordance with the higher you. Now, no one's perfect. Mm-hmm. Believe me, we're all going to make mistakes. We're all going to have deviations from that. But is 80% of your life in accordance with that is what you are seeking? creating fulfillment or, um, and if that is the case, I almost went down the negative again. If that is the case, then yes, it is time to start thinking about, um, that little extra storytelling that might get you a little bit farther. Love it. All right, my man. Thank you. That was fun. Uh, thank you everybody out there listening. Thank you for your ratings and reviews. And of course we will be back next week for another episode of chasing excellence. You can get every episode of Chasing Excellence wherever you listen to your podcasts or on YouTube. Until next time, thank you for listening. When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details.